Virgin Valley Artists Association, welcomes you to the Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone of all ages. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, or on Facebook as Mesquite Fine Art Center, also on Facebook, The Art Box. Welcome to the Art Box. I am at the Marjorie Barrett Museum of Art at UNLV, and we're here for the Land Art Project. I think it's called. We're here for the Desert Markings, and there goes an airplane. And I have Mark. Uh, Mark, I didn't get your last name. I'm sorry. Breast Van Kempen. It's a long last name. It is. We'll spell that out later. Right. <laughs> for uh, and Mark is one of the artists here. Mm-hmm. And I haven't met Mark before today. And Mark, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I um, am originally from Salt Lake City, Utah, so I am very familiar with the West. And I grew up in the Wasatch Mountains outside of Salt Lake, so I was very, at a very early age, I was very um, uh, taken with nature and uh, wilderness areas. I would go out my back door and I could just go on hikes in total wilderness uh, pretty much as far as I wanted. So that was a very um, important kind of establishing uh, experience for me as a, as a kid. And, um, and I could always draw, so I started doing art. Um, very, it ended up being very realistic kind of art and um, kind of trompe l'oeil, fool the eye kind of stuff. Um, and as I continued doing that, I gradually got exposed to land art. This uh, Robert Smithson's Spiral Jetty was right there okay. in the Great Salt Lake. And now also, you're going to make me feel bad because I've been right by it and we didn't go. Oh yeah. Well, it's not going anywhere. I so. Know. <laughs> um, and then also Nancy Holt, uh, Robert Smithson's wife, has the sun tunnels kind of on the other side of the Great Salt Lake. So I was, uh, as I got a little older, I was kind of aware of that and was, you know, very struck by the scale and kind of ambition of that work. Um, and um, at the same time, I became familiar with uh, Fluxus artists and other artists who were kind of using uh, everyday life situations as material to work with. And um, because I was doing very realistic painting, um, and and my my attitude about painting was also was kind of um, uh, I wasn't so much interested in the object the painting it was more a way to have a very intense kind of visual relationship with something so I you know it was a way of looking at something and perceiving it very closely so to kind of get rid of that painting as the middleman and just have a relationship with the subject uh, more directly was very appealing to me. Um, so I started, you know, working with site-specific art, doing things in different places, and um, working with different people on different projects. We did a, a project back uh, when I was in Salt Lake uh, where we traded lives with each other for 48 hours, you know. It's, so we're kind of like using our lives as material to work with. Okay. Did a lot of experiments like that. But when I started working with site 
you know, with land as a material, I was very sensitive. You know, I, I, in a way, I didn't want to touch anything. I didn't want to mess with anything because I, I felt, in a way, I felt like it was perfect to begin with. So why do anything? And um, that led me on to a very kind of mixed feelings about these land artists that were going out with bulldozers and so on and doing these big, big gestures. On the one hand, I really admired their ambition and the, and the, the scale of it and uh, this kind of new vision at the time, uh, you know, in the 70s. But at the same time, uh, it seemed kind of, you know, in a lot of ways insensitive to the, to the habitat and the ecology that was already going there. They'd be arrested now. They'd, it would be very difficult to do that kind of work now. And, and Michael Heiser, who just finished his city complex, you'll see, you see is getting a very different reception than he would have gotten back in 1970. You know, there's a lot of criticism in the art world about what he's doing. And, and uh, you know, rightfully so. I think it's, you know, it, th there are some questionable aspects of it. Even though I, you know, have... Uh, uh, you know, admiration for a lot of these artists. But then I started seeing that the, you know, there were there was a kind of a second generation, interestingly led by a lot of women. Um, uh, Meryl Latterman Eucles, for example, uh, Agnes Dennis, a lot of these people. And, and they were doing work that, that was much more having to do with growth of plants, uh, habitat restoration, you know, working with mining areas and, and doing this kind of, you know, very much based on that land art um, uh, foundation, but in a much more sort of environmentally aware way. Um, and so that whole group of artists really influenced me. And so, you know, I've, for the past 20, 25 years, I've been working in that way, kind of, uh, you know, looking at a specific sites as material to work with and then researching history biology, you know, uh, the flora, the fauna of the place, and um, working with it in various ways. So that's kind of the, you know, the long story of my trajectory. And I, you know, I still think of myself as a realistic artist. You know, I'm, I'm doing things that are, uh, it's, it's a lot like realistic painting of a landscape. It's a lot like landscape painting in, in some ways. Um, but just uh, much more direct. Yeah, and, and I love it because we are, we're, we need a, a balance because we've got these solar farms coming and they're ripping out the landscape and the desert tortoise habitat. And mm -hmm. you know, so you're, you're kind of showing um, that there's living things out there. Right, right. It's certainly not a blank slate. Um, and I think a lot of the artists that originally came out um, to the West to do these things, you'll see that they're, they're very attracted to these kind of flat white spaces that are a lot like galleries, you know? <laughs> there you go. So I think... Um, Good you know, point. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think they were looking for spaces that were kind of um, neutral in a way, and they're really not neutral. They're subtle, yeah. but they're not uh, neutral spaces. Um, so uh, anyway, it's, it's an interesting area to be working in and, uh, you know, fraught with all kinds of uh, problems and contradictions and so on, but it makes it interesting to me. Yeah, I was lucky to go out. I was a driver, so I wasn't an artist. I was a driver and got mm -hmm. to go out to all three of the field trips. And it was interesting that to a person 
they were pretty much, well, we don't agree with this art that was out there, but you know, we're, we're doing this project. Right, right. Um, I just went out to see du Double Negative for the first time yesterday I was out yeah. there. And um, I'm very familiar, I mean, I've been very familiar with that work for, you know, 20 years or so. But um, I have to say, when I went out there, um, I had very complicated feelings about it because I had already felt very critical of it. But when I was out there, it felt very small in the landscape. And then also seeing the erosion that was happening to the to it in the last, what, I, I don't know, what is it, 50 years, you know, less, less than 50 years. Um, it's very easy to see that that's going to disappear. Within 400 years, it'll probably be gone. Um, and then you think of something like the Mona Lisa, it's going to be around a lot longer than that. We hope. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just an interesting thing. Um, Michael Heiser uh, carved that into a very soft uh, bluff. Yeah. It wasn't in stone. No, not in stone at all. So it's it's he had to know that you know the erosion was going to happen, and I really don't know if his attitude was kind of like, well, we'll have a few good years, but then it'll erode, or if it was like, no, this is about doing a temporary gesture in the landscape, even though it's a large gesture and it's going to be gone in a few hundred years, and it kind of highlights that erosion and that temporary nature of all human endeavors, you know. And looking at it like that, I mean, looking at it, uh, you know, and the piece that I'm working with in the show here is Walter Demaria's Las Vegas piece, and that also is disappearing and being erased very quickly. I, I went out there on that one, and we had a hard time finding any any traces of it. Yeah, it's it's notoriously hard to find. I've talked to a lot of people who have gone to try to find it, and they just couldn't find it. Um, and so. I mean, it's, if you look at the art gesture by itself, yes, it's, these are macho scars on the landscape and, you know, guys going out there and doing these kind of big gestures. If you look at it just in terms of the art gesture, but if you look at it in terms of the art gesture as well as the landscape then taking it back and eroding it and er essentially erasing it, if you look at that whole thing as the artwork, it's a very, they're very different pieces. And um, whether or not the artists intended that aspect of erasure to be part of the artwork, uh, I don't know in all cases. But certainly, you know, when I, I, I got a very um, different take on, on double negative when I saw the erosion that was happening and the plants that were coming back in you know some of the some of the um the where the where the uh, excavation material had been pushed off down right. into the bluff um that was all basically you could see it wasn't quite as full of plants as the surrounding landscape but it was it was definitely coming back uh and so to me looking at it in terms of the erasure uh makes it much more interesting work yeah, and I didn't even think of that way. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Sure, yeah, yeah. Just going back to some of my other work, I did, um, uh, I've had a kind of interesting relationship with Walter Maria over the years. His, you know, all of these artists have kind of influenced me. And I think one of my, probably my better known projects is the Free Speech Monument at UC Berkeley, which commemorates the 
uh, free speech movement in 1964 that kind of started a lot of anti-war protests around campuses and so on. Um, and for that piece, I, you know, the first thing you might think of is to do a bronze statue of somebody speaking freely or something like that. But given my take on, on art and kind of using real life as material, to me it's much more interesting to have an actual person that's speaking freely about something they care about at the moment, but framing that as art, as the monument somehow. That's the monument. So I thought about that a lot and came up with the idea of a little, a small piece of land, six inches in diameter, that didn't belong to anybody or didn't have any laws included in it, but it was too small to get in. So it's airspace and land that doesn't have any laws in it. And, um, uh, and then it has a marker that sort of describes the space. And it automatically draws a lot of people like a magnet to use it to speak and do all kinds of things in that space. So it works pretty well. But um, actually, after I did that, somebody drew my attention to Walter DeMaria's Vertical Kilometer, which is, uh, are you familiar with that I piece? am not. It's a, it's a piece in uh, Germany where he drilled into the ground a kilometer deep and then put um, sections of brass, I believe, in that. So basically, all you see is this little circle of brass, you know, at the surface of the of the. Oh, of that's the, it. Of the oh, earth. It's capped. But you know that it goes down. That this column goes down yeah. uh, for a kilometer, and so that's the sculpture. Oh. And um, and so there are some relationships between what I what I did. You know, mine is mostly invisible, and his is mostly invisible too. And it, they look kind of similar. Um, just, on a di just on a different plane. Yeah, right, right. Very different pieces. But um, uh, so that's, you know, you can see kind of my influence by these land artists, but taking it in a very different direction, you know, and working with uh, people and plants and history and all of those kinds of things. So, yeah, there's a, there, the last time I came here, there was a, some pretty interesting artwork here at this museum. And, uh, uh, I just looked around at the other pieces in this show, and um, I think the artists have, you know, gone in a lot of interesting directions on this topic. So uh, I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of these artists. I haven't met any of them, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun to meet the artists and kind of chat with them. It's that's, you know, that's what's great about having a show is that you meet all these people with similar and differing ideas. So it's. It'll be great. Yeah, the different ideas are worth great. Well, Mark, thank you very much for letting me grab you. I know you want to sure. get back out and look at the show. Yeah. No, it's, it's great to talk about it and great to meet you. I appreciate the interest. Okay. Thank you. Change your heart. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, where all accompanying images and links are available on the Art Box page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.
Everybody's gotta learn sometimes